0: Welcome to the First Church
1: Podcast, a resource of First Church of God in Columbia City, Indiana. Our goal is to provide you with tools that you can use to help you in your new or growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Jordan Chapel, the middle school pastor here at First Church. Welcome to the podcast. Today we are joined by Senior Pastor Johnny McAllister, um, and uh, we are journeying through the, the book of the Bible together, and we're really excited about it, and we're really passionate about our people engaging with Scripture and providing lots of resources uh, for them to do that and, and see it in fresh new ways. Again, one of the things we've talked about is how this ancient book can be breathed to life uh, for us here in 2020, and so... Some of the stuff that was brought up from uh, Johnny's sermon yesterday uh, on the book of Leviticus, which is a, a really fun and interesting thing, because Leviticus is, uh, a lot of times if you're doing the one-year Bible, that's where you start to like kind of weasel out, and you're like, man, this is kind of exhausting and really hard. I know I've been there, and so it's interesting to hear fresh perspective on Leviticus. And so um, uh, yesterday you kind of mentioned some ideas of change and, and how Leviticus, Leviticus can point us towards change. Um, so I, I, connect oh, those things for me. Well, I think one of,
0: as you're, of course, preaching a sermon, there's only so much time on a Sunday morning, and as you think about the people of God uh, being established, and they're brought out in the Exodus, and now uh, God is calling them to be His people, Uh, There were some changes that were going to have to take place, and there were just some practical things about change that I wanted to talk about that I didn't have enough time to get to. So today I'd like to maybe for you and I to talk about that, about uh, change in our everyday life as we become the people of God.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a great time of year to talk about change. I mean, it's January. A lot of people are at the turn of the year, turn of the decade even. A lot of people are looking towards positive changes for their life. And if we're going to look more like Jesus than we did yesterday, um, that's always something that we center our lives around. And so I imagine most people listening, and you and I included, uh, have have made an effort at change before, but I think one thing we've all experienced is how change is one of those really difficult things that we have to navigate. And so do you have any insight on like why change is so hard for us to, to walk through or experience, whether it's a, a good change or a bad change? Why is it one? Why is it so difficult? Well, there's probably a lot of
0: different reasons. Um, I, I think the, the first reason is because, uh, When you think about personal imperfections or personal flaws that we have that we want to change and we want to clean up, um, the first thing I think of is uh, it's hard for me to change because I've been doing it so long. I mean, it's... (laughs) Bob Yauberg one time told me, he said, Johnny, the reason that uh, we that are older talk about the past so much is because we have so much of it. (laughs) And I think it's the same thing in our life. We get going in our life and we start doing things without even thinking about it. And we've been doing it so long. So it's sort of a built-in pattern, maybe even from growing up in our family of origin. Maybe it is even in our teenage years or going to college. We just got used to it. I think another reason it's so hard to change is because um, I identify with the flaws. Like, I identify. It's become kind of who I am. I mean, like, a lot of people, especially men, might have anger issues. And we even say things like, you know, when we're, you know, if somebody points out that, hey, you have an anger issue or you need to deal with that, and that needs to change. You're like, hey, man, I am who I am. Just love it or leave it, you know. And there's this sense of, like,
1: we almost identify with our flaws. And I think one thing I've heard a lot of time inside of that is the phrase used like, well, that's just the way God made me. And and to fight against that in our culture is really hard because like we were created in the image of God Obviously, the fall happens, um, but that's a really dangerous road to travel. It's like, that's just who I am. That's the way God made me, uh, because it presupposes that we're not all a work in progress, and we're not all trying to make steps towards Jesus inside of that.
0: And that's true, because even in our natural, you know, in just the natural man, uh, whether it's our personality, how we are wired, and it's good that we're all kind of built differently and everything, uh, whether it's our family of origin. When you come to the Lord, you have a lot of Egypt inside of you that needs to be gotten out. We need to be cleaned up. And so, you know, if we kind of start identifying with it, it can become an excuse, like, yeah, that's just the way I am. And I think that's why it's kind of hard to kind of move off of it. Another reason is every shortcoming we have usually has a payoff. Like, if I have something in my life that really does need to change, it's hard for me because, uh, like, for example, if sports is a big thing, it's like, hey, guess what? I'm a lot more comfortable sitting on the couch watching the game than I am engaging as a dad. And I really like sports, so it's hard for me to kind of overcome that because every shortcoming that i have it has a payoff i mean there's a good size like for example i'm i'm naturally selfish i'm naturally lazy i do what i want when i want and all that and that can become it has sort of a payoff because i like it becomes about me and it's always about me and and you're ruining my groove if i have to change and so that's another reason it's hard to change i, I think another thing is that um because Satan fights against me changing, you know. I think there's a war going on. There's warfare going on, and um, there's a lot of times where, uh, whether it's you know, I-, I heard a pastor not too long ago go say, you know, there's nothing worse than lying to yourself, and I think sometimes we, Satan is warring against us changing, because, you know, he God his desire for us is to, to be the people of God, to move towards him, to have a life that lives glorifying to him, not our own comfort, not my own world, but I want to live a life that's glorifying to God because God is holy and God is, he's deserving of all glory and I was created for his glory But yeah, so many times we just kind of settle because it's, I don't really want to change. I just want to fit in or be comfortable.
1: And I think that idea of not really wanting to um, is what we see display force in our culture around us. Um, That's why we have so much like status quo that exists. Things have just been the way they have been for so long, and I think if uh, the average person would... To, would be to look around uh, believer and non-believer. I think they say, well, whatever the status quo in is, isn't working um, and something has to change. And so that's all, that's all really good about why it's hard. But what, what are some practical steps? Like what, what about the, the next step for us of, of how to, what does it take? What do we need to engage with? What are some things that we can take and use to be a changed people? Well, you know, when I think about change uh, before I
0: kind of get into that. I, I think about one phrase I heard many years ago from a guy. It's probably 20, 25 years ago. And he said to me, he said, Johnny, there's really never any change without a perceived crisis. I'm going to repeat that. There's never any change without a perceived crisis. And what he was saying is most people don't change unless there's some kind of really Uh, there's this crisis going on that mitigates that I have to change now. I mean, I'll give my own personal experience, just one small example of this. You know, in my 30s, I'm floating along, I'm a youth pastor, I'm going on lock-ins, I'm eating too much pizza, I'm not taking care of myself physically, and all at once, boom, I go to get some life insurance because i got a couple kids now, and I found out that my A1C, which is a high blood sugar level, is off the chart And from what I'll spare you all the details of what the doctor said to me, it had to do with me not living to see them graduate and some other things like words like that. That was a crisis for me. And I was like, oh, okay, you have my attention and I will now listen to what you're saying. And, you know, I hear people talk about, you know, that I don't eat sugar and I don't there's some things I don't do. How do you do that and all this? It's like, well, there was a perceived crisis and I, you know, there's some genetics inside of me and everything. So I had to pay attention to that. And don't you find that's true? Like people don't really want to change. And there's like, I have experiences over and over in marriages and relationships, you know, things are going on and it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And then all at once there's a tipping point and then all at once there's a crisis and it's like, oh yeah, now I'll have counseling. Although we've been talking about that for 20 years, nobody ever did it. Now that the, the, there was a big crisis. Oh, I'm willing to talk now, or I'm willing to do this now.
1: And I think that's the, the phrase perceived crisis is important because change can be really, really big. Like you just talked about, like we've both walked through similar health journeys. Um, uh, and, and you talked about the example of marriage and like real crisis. And if something doesn't get fixed, then this marriage probably isn't going to work anymore. Um, but it can be something as small. I feel like when it's a perceived crisis as like, oh, I don't read scripture as much as I want to, or I, just any book, I, I want to read more. Um, that's the crisis. You perceive it as like, there's something that's not happening right now that I want to happen in the future. And so I'm going to engage in whatever that activity is to have that preferred future from where I'm at right now. Yeah. And I think there are some steps and that, I just want to break it down to make it
0: practical so that, uh, you know, cause I do think that the crisis is, is that, man, don't waste your life. <laughs> you know? I mean, don't waste your life on lesser things. Live for God. But you might be like, okay, what, how do I do that? How do I start live a li- living a life that's glorifying to God? And the first thing is real change begins with new thinking. Uh, I know that people can, you know, my, me being from West Virginia, you know, they've heard me say this, stinking thinking. You know, the stinking thinking is actually how you say it, but so many times we get caught in stinking thinking, and if there's going to be real change, uh, it begins with new thinking. Uh, I, I really actually want to talk a lot about from Ephesians 4, but a four, Ephesians 4.23 in the New Living says, "...there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes." And if you look at, um, I think it's the CEV version, it says, let the Spirit change your way of thinking. I mean, if you're going to really change, you have to kind of change the way you're thinking. And even this is what the people of God coming out, this is what God was doing. Even in Leviticus, he was trying to change their thinking. Uh, here they are bowing down to, to cattle, and now he was saying kill that in my presence, trying to change their thinking that sin was serious, God is holy, and even in establishing them. So how are you going to establish yourself as a child of God? You've got to change your thinking. And um, I, I, one of my favorite passages out of the message version is Romans 12. I love the way it reads. It reads like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And that's what we're talking about. Like, how is it that I live a life that glorifies God? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on god you'll be changed from the inside out which is how the holy spirit does change people is from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you which is kind of our natural bent always dragging you down to its level of immaturity god brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you so the key for me there is when he says don't become so well so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking i think it's really important it kind of does start with it begins with new thinking thinking in a different way so that's the first thing and it kind of leads and by the way i think folks if they're listening to this podcast or they're reading along that's that's it ties into the second point you know beginning a to develop a walk with God, like a quiet time, you know, establishing that, reading Scripture, and then praying, journaling, as you have that possibility. But praying and being in the Word is really important.
1: Yeah, and that's why change is so hard because. Uh the opposite of change is the same, mm. and it's a lot easier to k- just keep doing things the same way instead of uh, like like it talks about in Romans, be the trend like be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, we just talked about the Peterson translation there, like mm-hmm. uh, that's how you're transformed is by starting a new process. And so it it's not we talked about why it's so hard. It's not an easy thing, and these are hopefully like easy step easier steps to get involved. But it's never going to be like a a cake or a piece of cake because it's like it takes work to get the the ball rolling and, and get moving but it's worth the effort um because the of the preferred future that we're working towards i feel like
0: yeah and the last of that verse too it's what you're talking about where you you know unlike the culture around you <laughs> which is kind of what's happening around us always dragging you down to its level of immaturity i mean it's the gossip it's the words It's the returning evil for evil. It's the marginalizing other people. It's not like instead of thinking in a new way, thinking in a new way. So and that's kind of close to what I'd also say the second thing is real change requires learning the truth. I mean, there has to be a change of thinking, the way you think. But for you to really be established in a life that's glorifying to God, you have to learn the truth. And I can remember I went through high school. I came out, gave my heart to the Lord as a sophomore. And I went through high school, and I had some Sunday school teachers, and then I went through college, Christian studies major, went into a church-related school, and it wasn't until I got into my 20s and I was around a bunch of guys that were really bold and sold out That I really started learning truth. That sounds so odd, but it was sort of an academic setting, but then when I learned about walking with God, being intimate with God, and some guys put their finger in my chest and said, you know, are you serious about this or not? I I, I finally started really learning the truth. John 17, 17, Jesus says, use the truth to make uh, them complete, Lord. This is his prayer. He's, he's praying for us. Use the truth to make them complete. Your word is truth, Lord. This is the New Living Translation of Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe, because someone has told us something different or made a lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I don't know. I mean, I was back in student ministry. One of the things that I talked about a lot to students was so many times we change our behavior before we change what we believe. And so for many students... They find a girl, and then, oh, they're very attracted, and they're led, and they're drawn by their, um, it could be lusts, or it could be just their own comfort, or discovering something, or, you know, partying, or whatever it is, and they go, I like that, and then they go, well, how does that stack up against what I've learned? It's truth. And so many times they go, well, okay, well, I'm going to change what I believe and say, well, that's not really that wrong. Well, and somebody says, well, there it is. It, it's, you know, it goes against the truth you know. And, uh, and somebody, well, I don't believe that anymore. And so sometimes that has, you know, we, it, it works against us. Ephesians 4.21 Since you have heard all about Jesus, you have learned through the truth that is in Jesus. And I I think it's so important for us to kind of establish ourselves in the truth of God's Word and see ourselves like that.
1: Yeah, and establishing yourself in the truth of God's Word is so important because, like you talked about, it makes a lot of decisions for you before you have to make them and right. it it decides a lot of things so if you're like okay how am i going to how am i going to treat Amanda at home how am i going to treat Hudson and Miles at home uh, I look at the truth of God. I don't have to decide in that moment because I look at the truth of God's Word and says, okay, I need to lead them. I need to love them. It, it says those things for me. And so it makes the decisions or, or when you find yourself in a more compromising, that seems like a no-brainer, but right. it's like should I do something that uh, that God is opposed to? No, because like God has clearly laid out this is what truth is. And then it also gets into the those kind of dark nights of the soul um, when you're really wrestling with your inner self and uh, as the West Virginia and you would say, the stinking thinking, um, that you can hear those things and receive it and say, well, I know that's not true. If you're feeling really unloved or unworthy, you look at scripture then and say, well, that's clearly not true. Um, and so knowing what I know, that God never changes, so he's not going to change his mind about this. Uh, he's not going to change his opinion on this um, because I because I know that I can know what he says about me. I can know what he says about this situation. Knowing the truth uh, kind of charts the path before us, I feel like, where it, it becomes honestly a little bit easier to make those decisions, and it kind of, tr- it kind of moves the path forward uh, for change in our life, uh, specifically positive change. And one of the things you talked about a little while ago as we were digging into Scripture was uh, the, the kind of change that makes us look more like Jesus, because that's the only lasting and meaningful change that we can ever experience, I feel like.
0: Yeah, you were talking about the path. It charts the path. Uh, Andy Stanley talks about the law of the path. And I always jokingly say, uh, when we're here at the church, you can't get to Warsaw going east on 30. Uh, You know, there's a law. You know, a lot of people, you know, they say they want, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, have a great marriage. I want my life to live glorifying to God, and I want, you know, everything to be pleasing to God. But then they're not making decisions. Uh, I think it was uh, John Maxwell who said. Make your decisions and then manage your life to those decisions. But they have to be rooted in truth. And I'm not trying to throw off my legalism on everybody. Just, you know, the more you learn and the more you want to live a life of glorifying God, then those decisions are made out of truth. They need to be grounded in truth. So here's another thing. I think you'll agree with me on this one. Sometimes real change has to come with cleaning house. I think there's just some times where you got a clean house. Parse that out a little bit for us. Well, I, I think it's grounded again in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 22. So get rid of your old self, which made you, a, a, which made you live as you used to, the old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. You know, I think sometimes there's a time where you have to Set back and reflect on what behaviors, what relationships, what are the things that are getting in the way of you living a glorifying life to God. And there's just no, again, this gets into, some people might see this as legalism, and we'll let the Lord lead people. We're not, I'm not here to play the fourth part of the Trinity. It's not that. It's the whole thing of um, what are the things that are holding you back? And sometimes you have to clean house, and God wants to. And the it's where He sent He sent the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm I'm saved according, you know, I am declared righteous because of Jesus. But there's still some cleaning up that has to happen inside of me. So real change really does need to happen sometimes. in just cleaning house, and and there are. There have been times in my life where Sherry and I have kind of looked around and said, you know what? It's time for us to make um, some major adjustments in our life, whether well, that's in our marriage and how we're raising our kids, uh, a, a focus for a period of time, a season, like even if you thought of it as a season, where it's like, hey, man, I got a clean house here a little bit. And um, it, what are those parts? Uh, you, I would encourage you to reflect. Uh, do some self-reflection and assess if you have any behaviors uh, that are self-defeating and blocking spiritual or personal growth. You know, what are those things that are kind of blocking you? And just reflect. I just think we just live in a culture where people just don't turn off stuff and just reflect on what God might... You know, if you're learning truth, if you're trying to change, you know, reflect on what God might be calling you to clean house about some stuff. You should have, I think sometimes God has called me uh, where I have made some adjustments and all. I've kind of cleaned house and I-, I haven't notified everybody, you know, I just kind of, you know, and I think that's okay. But I think there's also for the long haul, no matter who you are, you know, we've, you've heard me say this, we're better together, you know, and I think God ca- uh, called us to be a community of believers, and that's in a lot of different settings, For me, you know, there are leaders in my life. There are lay leaders in my life. There are also staff in my life. And then there are also, you know, my family. And having a community of people, here's the thing, I I threw that word honest in, is just, you know, do you have some people in your life that can really be honest about what they see? I mean, you're not trying to Create constant conflict in your life. I'm not trying to say, you know, that. I think it's really important. Um, Ephesians 4:32. Be kind and loving to each other, forgiving each other, just as God forgave you in Christ. Um, that's verse 32. But right before that, up in verse 25 in the message version, we read: No more pretense, tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. So, if you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. So, this body life—how do we how do we change? Part of that is being in community and people. And this is probably something practical and you have in your life. Do does anybody in your life have permission to be honest with you, or have you insulated yourself so much? Nobody can tell you the truth because you're such a hothead, or maybe you're so insulated that you seem unapproachable.
1: Amanda and I experienced um, over the past couple years really rich uh, community. We got together with some believers on Friday night and read through the Bible together. Uh, it was such a transformative process, and I think it's because of that communal nature where we're all journeying together. And you focused in on the word honesty, and I think that's why it was so important, um, because we were all we all had that ability to speak into each other's lives. Um, And it all came back to truth like we had just talked about because we were were just reading through the Bible together and saying, what do we need to do because of what we're reading? Or how do we need to be changed because of what we're reading? Um, And there were some really good but really hard discussions. I remember uh, there was uh, just an eclectic makeup as far as backgrounds and uh, beliefs inside of the Christian faith. And so uh, we would get together and say, okay, because of what God said in Leviticus or Ephesians or whatever we were reading that week What do we, How do we need to change either Thoughts or ideas or beliefs And so you get people coming um, From different ends of theological Spectrums and all sorts of stuff And it led to really rich conversation And I think we all look more like Jesus because of it Or, or how do we need to change actions And I remember one specific night We were talking about um, sins that we struggle with, and and we were just really open with each other and and vulnerable and gave each other permission to hold... Uh, one another accountable for the things that, um, that really weigh us down and prevent us from changing to look more like Jesus. And so uh, that community, while sometimes hard to find, um, if, if you go into it being, if you go into the experience being vulnerable, I find that a lot of people are much more willing to reciprocate that. Um, and we all are better because of it. It's a hard thing to enter into, but we're better because of, of that honest community that you talked about.
0: Yeah, and I think within that community, I think about Galatians 6, verse 1, where uh, Paul is writing, and he says, brothers, um, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You know, that's the lead for Paul to go, hey, and it's also Ephesians 4, uh, verse 29, we read, never use harmful words, but speak only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, uh, that it may benefit those who listen. So I think if you are if you want to change, being in community is really going to help. But we have to keep some of those ground rules. You know, some of the ground rules for friendships in these community circles, they should look like this. Um, whatever is said in the group ought to stay in the group. I mean, there should be a level of trust that the gossip, this isn't like a gossip train. It's like the rest of the world. We don't just talk behind each other's back. It stays in the group. I think another thing, a little ground rule, is don't minimize other people's pain. If they're going to talk about some of the struggles in their life, not only don't gossip about it, but also don't marginalize maybe what they're walking through because there are some of the things that I don't know about other folks, some weaknesses, or maybe even some trials in other people's lives I don't really understand. Um, another one is and this is better. Sherry does this better than I do. This is a real weakness for me, but don't try to fix people. Learn how to listen. I'm trying to learn how to listen to other people. So when people come to my office and they might be confessing, they might be trying to make a change and they're, you know, they're really, maybe they're even trying to clean house. If they're in community and they're trying to talk about this, it's really important for me to just listen. Um, and like I said earlier. do a better job, instead of just trying to be a fourth part of the Trinity, be a listening ear to somebody, to talk to them in this community. And then another thing is, I need to focus on my own changes. You know, I just, that's the thing. If you're in community, you know, listening to other people, don't try to always fix them, but then also focus on what God's trying to show me some stuff too. And here's the last thing. Real change requires faith. I think at certain point, you go, uh, I remember Finto one time said to me, he said, um, uh, Johnny, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I know that's, he's quoting scripture. But, I mean, it was one of those things where he was like, quit making false promises you can't keep. I mean, this is why you are the way you are. You know, you're, you always make these grand promises that I'm never doing that again, or I'm never going to talk this way again. You know, you know just believe have faith. Have faith, and real change does require faith. Lord, I don't have it in me, but I'm believing today. I'm going to believe in your word. You're going to change me, and God, I'm putting my trust in you. You know, just trying to exercise your faith. Um, Ephesians 3.20, we know this, and I, I talk, I use this line a lot at the end of sermons, or in prayers a lot of times at the end of my sermons. Now, by his mighty power at work within us, God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God can do it, and it's going to take faith for us to keep believing. Philippians, you know that, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Having faith that, you know, and so you have to just keep having faith. Uh, It requires you to exercise your faith. Doing the will of God, so many times it's hard to distinguish what is God calling to and what he's not. Now, I think inside of change, there are, like what we've talked about here, there are some specific things you can do. Clean house, know, know truth, learn truth. There are things you can do. But at the end of the day, knowing the will of God... No matter what it is in your life, there are some things that you know, like you were talking about earlier. There's some things that you know because you know truth. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, this guy's asking me to lie. Oh, there's no thought. Like, oh, that goes contrary. God's never going to tell you to lie. That's not from the Lord. You know, you. Can, well, that I know that. That's not God's will for me. But inside the God's will where you're trying to figure out what is it, what are the adjustments in my life? It began with faith when you were young, and it's going to end in faith. If you live to be 99 years old, you're going to end this whole thing in faith. And it always requires faith. In fact, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's always. And real change does require faith. It, it takes courage, too. But
1: it starts with believing, and it requires faith. Because faith... Faith to me at the end of the day is saying uh, almost connection uh, to the perceived crisis. But faith is saying my future is going to be better than right now. I'm hoping and and really kind of betting the farm on something greater than I'm experiencing right now. Um, and, And so that's that's change that, hey, whatever I'm experiencing right now. Um, uh, the, I've heard a lot of people say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results and so if you want to change um, then you're going to make efforts at whatever it is and hoping that your future is going to be better than your present. Um, right, and, and if
0: that's your confession in Jordan and you're 25 years old or if you're 35 years old you're in business you feel a little isolated and you're like you know man I've been trying to change I just can't you know, but I still believe in everything maybe you had to click back one and get in community. I'd ask men, do you have six guys that can carry your casket? Like, does anybody know you? I would challenge you, get into some community. Find an older guy in the faith that's out ahead of you that you admire and think he is walking in the Lord. Hey, get in his orbit. Get into some community and go, okay, I've tried this over and over. How do you do this? You know, there's real change takes some adjustment. And so I would I would uh, I would encourage that as well, this whole thing of as you exercise your faith, think about all these things, you know, like if you think about that, you know, get into somebody's orbit that can help you to uh, make the changes that you know, you know, there's some things in your life, and I would not presume to know what the changes are, but I'm just saying you do, and you might know the changes, and... Um, I would encourage you to have enough faith to make some calls to make it happen.
1: Yeah. So, uh, thanks for joining us today on our conversation on change. Like we said, kind of at the beginning, um, this is follow up to uh, our Sunday sermon, which are posted here on the same podcast feed. So I would encourage you to go check those out and, uh, hope you'll join us back next week for some supplemental material as we continue to walk through, uh, the pages of scripture book by book um, and hope you'll continue to dive in reading scripture for yourself as we go along.